It's good to gather as a campus community, faculty, staff, students, um, parents, community members. We'll follow the program um, pretty much unannounced, so have that ready. If uh, Hopefully we still had some toward the end. It's a full house, and this is fabulous to be gathered. For those standing in the back, there's seating over here to, to my right, your left, and the balcony is open as well. I'd like to open with an invocation and invite you to pray with me. Pray in whatever way uh, feel is comfortable for you and or don't pray, but honor this space together. Gracious God, we come before you at the beginning of this academic year with our individual and collective expectations, uncertainties, fears, and hopes. Nudge us into deeper awareness that you are with us, with each one. God of justice, help us to be mindful that, and this is the EMU land acknowledgement statement, official statement, what we call the Shenandoah Valley has been a home to many generations of humans. The first ones among us became groups we call Siouan, Monacan, Manahoak, Catawba, and Cherokee. We acknowledge the violence of and, and taken and, and used land in ways that have kept indigenous groups from thriving here and commit ourselves to honor them and this watershed through care for creation and sharing of God's good gift of land that is for all. Faithful one, as we gather this morning, we acknowledge this is a transitional season. Transitions in our work or leisure and into an academic schedule, transitions from time spent with family and close friends and pets to this newly forming campus community Transitions between cultural settings grant us patience with ourselves as well as grace for one another. Loving God, this beginning is entirely new for some of us. Transform our uncertainties amidst change into openness to new people and opportunities. Transform any anxiety about academic requirements into a steady confidence in your providence and in our abilities. Grant us new perspectives to see persons, events, and academic work as invitations to develop the many gifts present within us. Sustaining spirit, some in our community are moving into their final year at EMU. Bless them with the gifts of awe and wonder at the friends they've made, the way their minds and hearts have been stretched, and the many opportunities that lie ahead. Stir in them the gift of discernment for making wise choices concerning their future. And finally, grant each member of this EMU campus community a full measure of grace and love that we may encourage each other in serving and leading as reflections of you and your transformational vision for the world. Amen. And may it be so. I want to invite Voxti up, the student octet ensemble, and also invite you to find the purple book in front of you, Voices Together, and turn to 374, you see in the program, and they'll take it from here.
As Brian said, uh, turn to number 374, There Are Many Gifts. the group will sing verses one and three, and we invite you to sing with us on the refrain. We'll start with the refrain. Siti Jabula, Jesu Jabula, Siti Jabula, Jesu Jabula. Wake up in the moonlight singing, wake up in the moonlight singing. Siti Jabula, Jesu Jabula, Siti Jabula, Jesu Jabula. Wake up in the moonlight singing. Wake up in the moonlight I know heaven is awaiting for you. 
Good morning, everyone, and welcome to our opening convocation and a new academic year here at EMU. For those of you who are new to EMU, my name is Fred Niss, and it's my pleasure and honor to serve EMU as provost. Welcome to all of you, students, faculty, staff, and retirees from wherever you may be joining us this morning, whether here on main campus or from our instructional sites in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, and Washington, D.C. A special welcome to all the new students, faculty and staff who are joining us for the first time, especially the new undergraduate class of 2026. <laughs> class of 2026, you along with our new transfer students and graduate students are joining a community of learning that has been growing, evolving, and enriching lives for more than 100 years. We hope you will quickly find your place in the rhythm of our life together. You are welcome here, and you belong. We've been talking a lot about belonging over the past year or two here at EMU, especially as our ties to each other were strained and stretched by a global pandemic. We also recognize that as our community of learning continues to increase in its diversity along many different dimensions, we need to be intentional about how we create a sense of belonging for everyone who has made the wise and happy choice to join EMU. In fact, the theme of our fall faculty staff conference this year was belong together. The fall conference is a time we set aside each year in early August for faculty and staff to prepare for the year ahead and to discuss together matters of importance for our community. This year, through a variety of formal and informal presentations and social activities, we explored ways to renew and enhance the sense of belonging for each member of the EMU community. One of our realizations is that we can no longer depend on implicit shared cultural and religious assumptions to hold us together. While the core Christian values around which we orient our work together remain a constant, 
we need to articulate our values and our multiple identities more explicitly in order to fully incorporate diverse voices into our conversations as a community of learning. Growing into the diverse, equitable, and inclusive community of belonging that we aspire to be is an ongoing project that should engage us all throughout this academic year and beyond. To that end, I would like, like to suggest three gifts that we can give to each other in the coming year and invite each of you to consider how you personally can give and receive these gifts in your classes, offices, clubs, sports teams, residence halls, or wherever you find yourself located in relation to others at EMU. The first gift is honesty. If we are to have a thriving community of belonging at EMU, we each need to bring our full authentic selves into our conversations and into the important work of learning that we do together. We must be clear and transparent about who we are, what we need in order to learn and thrive, and what we have to offer from our own unique journeys, identities, and perspectives. Being honest and transparent about these things can be risky because it requires us to be vulnerable. So because honesty is risky, the second gift we need to offer each other is grace. Sometimes my honesty may step on your toes or threaten something you hold dear. Sometimes your honesty may identify needs that I'm unable to fill. If we want to have a dynamic community of learning that continues to break new ground and explore the unknown, then we will necessarily open ourselves to the risk of being hurt or causing someone else pain. We will be more willing to take such risks if we can trust that the other will respond with grace and kindness. Even if we put our foot in our mouth or unintentionally cause the other pain. Such gracious kindness is in very short supply these days in our public politics and our social media interactions. If we can find it in our hearts to be gracious to each other, we will not only improve our own EMU community life, we will help to lift the quality of public life in our larger surrounding communities. And finally, we can give each other the great gift of commitment to remaining in relationship with each other. Building a community of belonging requires such a commitment. Even when we disagree, even when our interactions may cause momentary pain, even when we find ourselves outside of our own comfort zones. Commitment to remaining in relationship builds a stockpile of trust within our community that enables us to take risks together. We have all joined EMU because we want to be engaged in continual learning. And because learning always involves taking the risk of moving from the known into the unknown, it requires the high level of trust that relational commitment provides. Now, President Huxman and I always prepare our convocation remarks independently. But it strikes me that these gifts, honesty, grace, and commitment to relationship, map fairly well onto the trilogy of character, 
kindness, and community in the title of her address. I'll be interested to hear more. I don't know just where cake will fit, fit in, but I'm eager to find out and might even volunteer to be a taste tester. Have a great year, everyone. Enjoy each other's company, and may God bless us all as we take risks together in our ongoing pursuit of learning. A reading from the Gospel according to Luke. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through it. A man was there named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. He was trying to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd, he could not because he was of short stature. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore tree to see him because he was going to pass that way. When Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried down and was happy to welcome him. All who saw it began to grumble and said, he has gone to the guest of one who is a sinner. Zacchaeus stood there and said to the Lord, Look, half of my possessions, Lord, I will give to the poor, and if I have defrauded anyone I of anything, I will pay back four times as much. Then Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because he too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek out and to save the lost. This is the word of God. Thanks be to God. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to a new school year. As your SGA co-presidents, we welcome both new and returning students into this space. To introduce ourselves, I'm Hannah Beck, and these are my fellow co-presidents, Meredith Lehman and Ella Brubaker. Ella and Meredith will be serving in the fall. I will actually be leaving um, with the intercultural group to go to Peru this fall, this lovely group here. Um, so I will not see all of you, um, but I'm excited to see new faces and get to know you in the spring. So uh, Meredith and I will be serving as your co-presidents in the spring. We hope that EMU can be a safe and exciting place for us all to re-engage with each other in our community, as well as our own dreams, goals, and passions. We have big plans for this year and hope that you are all feeling energized for the road ahead. Um, for some, this is gonna be a year of many firsts. The first day of college, first roommate, first collegiate sports competition, while some of the returning students are simply excited to make a return to the college life they've cultivated for themselves. Regardless of where you find yourself this morning, we hope that you are excited to take advantage of the new opportunities in the pursuit of these life milestones. Whether you've been here a few days or a few years, it is our hope that you can find some new firsts to complete in this season of your college journey. Now, we are excited to introduce our esteemed and beloved president. Dr. Susan Schultz Huxman is our ninth president at EMU and is a groundbreaker as our first woman president. She began serving in January 2017.
Previously, Susan served as president of Conrad Grable University in Waterloo, Ontario, Canada from 2011 to 2016. Before that, she spent most of her academic career as director of the Elliott School of Communication at Wichita State University in Kansas, after beginning her prof professorial life at Wake Forest University in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. Professor Huxman won numerous awards and recognition for her teaching when she was in the faculty ranks at Wichita State and continues to teach and mentor where she can. She describes herself as a student-centered academic president and a passionate ambassador of a faith-based liberal arts education. Susan grew up in Florida, but Kansas is where she met her husband and raised her family. She's a graduate of Bethel College in Kansas. She's a bachelor's of art in English and a master's and PhD from the University of Kansas in communication studies. She has earned the rank of full professor. Susan is married to Jesse, a communication, marketing, and broadcast journalism professional. They have three adult children. Connor, a graduate student in engineering at Penn State University. Emily, a teacher in Ohio. And Julia, an attorney in Philadelphia. They also have two wonderful sons-in-laws and are proud to be grandparents to Jonah, age one, and Eloise, who is one month old. Susan and Jesse are also big sports fans and participated in an array of varsity sports during the college years. Susan's skills as a basketball point guard prepared her well for the presidency. Both Susan and Jesse enjoy the beauty of the Shenandoah Valley and the friendly city of Harrisonburg, and they do not miss the Canadian winters. So please join us in welcoming President Susan Schultz-Huxman to the podium. Good morning, EMU, and can we get another round of applause for our three co-presidents, Hannah and Meredith and Ella and our ensemble, and Luke, our awesome organist. Well, welcome faculty and staff and board of trustees and greater community members and students. A very special welcome to all of our students, new and returning, undergraduate and graduate, young and young at heart, because of course you are the very reason we are here and why we do what we do. Uh, as, as your co-presidents indicated, my name is Susan, I am president of EMU, and one of the favorite parts of my post is to be a relentless and joyous champion of this university. And that includes welcoming students at the beginning of your educational journey, watching you grow and thrive and live into your specific gifts with each passing semester, and then personally congratulating you at the finish line, at graduation. These precious rites of passage are holy moments indeed. This morning I am on our beautiful main campus in Harrisonburg, Virginia, but I also want to give a shout out to all the students, faculty, and staff who make up our two satellite campuses in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, and Washington, D.C. We have built a reputation at EMU as a caring community of learners with small classes, 
personal attention, and faculty mentors and coaches committed to walking with you, all of our students, every semester, and nurturing mind, body, and spirit. You know, the past two and a half years, we have been through the upheaval and the uncertainty that the pandemic has wrought. And we learned some valuable lessons. Here are three of those. We learned crisis preparedness on the fly. Our crash course taught us that we could pivot on a dime, be quick adapters to new practices and routines, and count on the resilience of so many to keep our academic enterprise safe, healthy, and successful. Number two, we learned that our small size, rural location, and compassionate commitment to each other was an amazing advantage and helped us to weather the worst of COVID remarkably well. And number three, we learned the life lessons that Jesus himself modeled. Jesus's life and legacy is an anthem to the power of unconditional love for all in the face of life's uncertainties and yes, even calamities. Our faith-inspired academic culture is grounded in a sacred premise. All students, all students are viewed as gifted people created and loved by God. Jesus's unwavering message is that we love each other, even our enemies. Our scripture reading uh, this morning is a wonderful example of this radical understanding of unconditional hospitality. Jesus calls out Zacchaeus in the tree. What do we know about this man, Zacchaeus? We, we know he is, he is vertically challenged, he's, he's quite short, uh, but we also know that he is viewed as loathsome and a dishonest tax collector. And Jesus says, I'm coming to your home for dinner, Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus is so taken aback by this gesture of respect and unconditional love. He, he blurts out, I repent my swindling ways. Well, in happy times, this unconditional love is easier to follow than in troubled times. But in difficult times, the lesson is all the more powerful and redemptive when it is shared and celebrated. It invites renewal and second chances. In all, these three pandemic learnings share a common denominator, a central root system, if you will. And that is, we learned how precious character, kindness, and community play in our life together at EMU. And well, then there is cake, but I'm gonna to get to that later. This morning, I'd like to share with you the importance of a Greek word called ethos and tell you three stories to illustrate. So let's get started. How many of you have seen this brand of bottled water? Ethos, right? You know where to get it, right? It's sold exclusively where? Starbucks, I, I, this wasn't supposed to be a, a, an, an advertisement for Starbucks, but it works, it works in my uh, analogy here. Uh, 
Yes, it, it is sold exclusively at Starbucks. I buy it sometimes, not only because proceeds of the sales go to ensuring clean water for people in developing countries, but because of its name, ethos. It's a Greek word. Do you know what it means? Well, it means character. It means credibility. Aristotle told us many, many moons ago that ethos was the most important factor in our entire persuasive arsenal as human beings. It was more important than logos, logic, rationality, argument, and it was more important than pathos, emotions, passions, or sentiments. Gotta love Aristotle's rhyming abilities to help us remember things, ethos, logos, and pathos, but the greatest of these is ethos. Ethos, he said, was really comprised of two other Greek words. Don't worry, I promise uh, this will not turn into a long Greek lesson. But those two other Greek words are important. They are arete and eunoia. Arete means moral excellence. And eunoia means community goodwill or attending to the needs of one's community. Put the two together and ethos means striving for moral excellence with community needs in mind. And guess what? Aristotle, like many of us today, lamented that his culture produced only a few good ethical men. And he only talked about men because men were the only ones who held citizenship in the fourth century BC. Aristotle said ethics was an endangered species because very few people knew how to strive for arete, moral excellence, and represent eunoia, community goodwill. So really, we've not been living up to our ethos potential since, well, perhaps since the beginning of time. Enduring stories throughout history speak to our longing for ethos. I want to share with you three very different short stories that illustrate the importance of ethos. I want to begin with a parable, the parable of the Good Samaritan. This is a familiar story from the Christian tradition, a story told by Jesus himself. But it is also a story well understood and affirmed by many faith traditions, and literary figures the world over appropriate the Good Samaritan story. It has become an archetype. We find the story in the Gospel of Luke. Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down the road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. He went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. 
And the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. Then Jesus asked the gathering crowd, Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? The answer came, rather sheepishly, from an intrepid lawyer who had asked Jesus to explain the greatest commandment to love the Lord your God and your neighbor as yourself. The one who showed mercy, he replied. And Jesus said to him, yes, yes, you go and do likewise. Many wise men and women have pondered the ethical lesson of the Good Samaritan story over the years, but perhaps Martin Luther King said it best. The first question which the priest and the Levite asked was, if I stop to help this man, what will happen to me? But the Good Samaritan, the Good Samaritan reversed the question. He asked, if I do not stop to help this man, what will happen to him? Ah, this is one of the essential ingredients of ethical leadership, not being me-centered, but being other-centered. The second story is a contemporary personal reflection about how to live ethically even in the most ordinary circumstances. It's called, Be Cool to the Pizza Delivery Dude. And it's written by Sarah Adams, an English professor at a small college in Washington. Her story is compiled in a book entitled, This I Believe, The Personal Philosophies of Remarkable Men and Women. She writes, if I have one operating philosophy about life, it is this. Be cool to the pizza delivery dude. Three principles guide my pizza dude philosophy. Principle number one, coolness to the pizza delivery dude is a practice in humility. I let him cut me off in traffic. I let her safely hit the exit ramp from the left lane. I let him forget to use his blinker without extending any of my digits out of the window or toward her, their car, and I even let them cut me off. I let it go. After all, the dude is delivering pizza to young and old families and singles and blacks and whites and browns and rich and poor and vegetarians and meat lovers. As she journeys, I give safe passage, practice restraint, show courtesy, and contain my anger. Principle number two, coolness to the pizza delivery dude is a practice in empathy. <laughs> Let's face it, we've all taken jobs just to have a job because some money is better than none. I've held an assortment of these jobs and was grateful for the paycheck that meant I didn't have to share my Cheerios with my cat. Principle number three, coolness to the pizza delivery dude is a practice in equality. My measurement as a human being, my worth, is the pride I take in performing my job, any job. 
and the respect with which I treat others. I am the equal of the world, not because of the car I drive, the size of the TV I own, the weight that I can bench press, or the calculus equations that I can solve. I am the equal to all I meet because of the kindness in my heart. And it all starts here with the pizza delivery dude. Her advice, next time you see a pizza delivery person, tip them well. Who knew there could be a memorable ethical lesson in how to treat pizza delivery people? Practice humility, empathy, and equality when you encounter them. The last story I want to share is from a surprise best-selling book this summer from Charlie Mackesee. It is spent in an amazing 142 weeks on the New York Times bestseller list. It's called The Boy, the Mole, the Fox, and the Horse. And it is an unusual story, to say the least. The author, Charlie, greets the reader by saying this, hey, you started at the beginning. That's impressive. I usually start in the middle, and I never read introductions. It is surprising that I have actually made a book because I'm not good at reading them. The truth is, I need pictures. They are like islands, places to get into a sea of words. This book is for everyone, whether you are 80 or 8. I feel like I'm both sometimes. I hope this book encourages you, perhaps, to live courageously with more kindness for yourself and for others and to ask for help when you need it, which is always a brave thing to do. Here is how he begins his book with a conversation between the boy and the mole. Hello. I am so small, said the mole. Yes, said the boy. You, you are small, but, but you make a huge difference. What do you want to be when you grow up? Kind, said the boy. What do you think success is? asked the boy. Hmm, to love, said the mole. And then it went dark, <laughs> and the boy and the mole, well, I think they were found. <laughs> Someone said they were never found. Okay. The boy asked, do you have a favorite saying? Oh, yes, said the mole. What is it? If at first you don't succeed, have some cake. I see. Well, does it work? Every time. <laughs> I got you a delicious cake, said the mole. Oh, did you? Oh, yes. Well, well, where is it? I ate it, said the mole. Oh, but I, I, I got you another. Did you? Well, where is that one? The same thing seems to have happened. What do you think is the biggest waste of time? Comparing yourself to others, said the mole. You know, I wonder if there is a school of unlearning. Most of the old moles I know wish they had listened less to their fears and more to their dreams. Hey, 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 what is that over there? Said the boy. It's the wild, said the mole. Don't 
Don't fear it. Imagine, just imagine, how we would be if we all were less afraid. From the serendipitous conversations of a boy and a mole, we get a glimpse of life's central conundrums. What's most important in life? How do we conquer fear? How do we offer grace? How does one remain curious and non-judgmental? How do we enjoy simple pleasures? All three stories boil down to something simple and profound made poignant by a beautiful expression from the literary giant, Henry James. Henry James said, three things in human life are important. The first is to be kind. The second is to be kind. And the third is to be kind. So to close, I hope you can appreciate the power of ethos, credibility, the power of arete, moral excellence, and the power of yunoye, care and concern for community goodwill. Remember what Aristotle said, the most important asset in your entire human skill set is your moral character, what he called ethos. The other two, logos and pathos, while important, are far behind. Remember, ethical leadership first requires you to be compassionate and kind above all else, to look out for others. Why? Because we need each other. Here at EMU, we need each other. To put it in a nutshell, be a good Samaritan, be cool to ordinary others like the pizza delivery dude, be curious and non-judgmental like the boy and the mole, and be kind to yourself and eat cake. And to that end, we will serve cake in the dining hall for lunch today. Thank you, and let's make it a good year, EMU. Please don't leave yet. Convocation's not finished, and we won't start scanning out until the end for convocation points.
Hang with us just another minute. We want to hear about the group going to Peru. And then when I call folks forward to be with them prayerfully, that would also be an okay time to begin leaving and scanning out for convocation points. That might be the best thing that happens to many of us all week. My name is Byron Peachy. I'm the director of intercultural programs. And I invite the group that is leaving for Peru to come forward and sit here on the steps And as they come, if any of you who would like to also come forward and join in with them, friends or family who are here, and surround them and lay your hands upon them uh, during our prayer, you're welcome to come forward. We continue our tradition of sending with prayers of blessing and of giving thanks, a group of students as they depart for a semester of study and travel. Come on up. This group of 16 is led by Professor of Biology Chris Schmidt, along with Assistant Leader Celia Vasquez, who will join the group on their arrival in Lima, Peru. And along with studying Spanish, they will explore the connections of history religion and spirituality, politics and health in the context of Peruvian society. You're welcome to gather with them for their departure today at three o'clock in the afternoon in front of the main commons entrance. At three o'clock, we'll gather, have a last prayer together and then their bus will leave at 3.15. They'll spend the night in Washington DC and then depart tomorrow morning for Peru. University Chaplain Brian Martin Borkholder will lead us in prayer. And I am going to invite anyone else who wants to come forward to be with this group, come up on the stage if you'd like. I'll be leading in prayer. Those who would like to start departing, thank you for being here and please be quiet, at least while you're in the auditorium. Let's pray together. God, we acknowledge that you've been present with us this morning and that you're present with us each day wherever we are and wherever we go. And this morning we especially seek protection and blessing on each of the students and the leaders who will be traveling to Peru. And we also pray for those who will host them through their learning adventure. We're grateful for the desire and willingness of these students and leaders to step into unknown places, to be challenged for growth through this intercultural experience. God of the world, we ask that you open their eyes to the extraordinary world that you've created, that they would have hearts and minds of curiosity, openness to seeing you in unlikely places and desire to care for one another along the way. And may you be evident to them in times of loneliness, in moments of fear or anxiety, in experiences of joy and discovery as they learn more about who you are, about others, themselves, and this wonderful and challenged world of yours. And we pray for the safety and health of each one, and not only for them, but for the people they will meet along the way, and also for those they leave behind. May the people who host these students have the energy and wisdom needed for introducing a new context. 
God, we pray for the group leader, Chris, but asking that you grant Chris wisdom for the journey and the ability to sense and interpret your presence and guidance along the way. Thank you for the opportunity that each of us have as travelers and learners, some experiencing EMU as an intercultural experience, risking stepping out of the comfortable into a world inviting increased vulnerability and reliance on your love and protection and dependence on the community formed and experienced along the way. In your mercy, we pray, amen. Go well beloved to Peru and go from this place knowing you are valued and loved and cared for and eat some cake <laughs>